scripture reading this morning will be taken from the book of Psalms, chapter 127, verses 1 and 2. Again, that's the book of Psalms, chapter 127, verses 1 and 2. If you're visiting with us this morning, that can be found in the Pew Bible on page 551 in front of you. Again, Psalms 127, verses 1 and 2. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat bread of sorrows, for he gives his beloved sleep. Good morning. It is good to see each of you. If you're a guest, again, we welcome you. It does encourage us that you're here. Uh, we're having family day today, so maybe you're here as a result of an invitation did, and we thank you for being here. Uh, it is a special day for us that we want to invite you uh, to Bible classes that will follow this service, and if you don't know exactly where to go, just ask the people sitting around you. We have about a dozen adult Bible classes, and we'd love to get you connected in one of those, and then classes for all age children. But then also, we'd like to invite you back at 4 o'clock this afternoon, and it will be at the Charlie Daniels Park. We'll have worship in the park, and it truly is a great time together. It's a great time of worship. And then at 5 o'clock, we'll eat together, and then after that, we'll begin activities for children and even some for adults, and, and you can stay or go, and you can be involved in what you want, and just the opportunity to eat together and visit together is a great and a rich blessing, and so we hope that you'll be a part of that. Along the lines of Family Day, it's great to be able on this day to be able to talk about a family that is expanding. We're thankful for the Kefs. This past Wednesday was Gotcha Day, and that's the day that that term means that the children were placed in their care. And so we are thankful for that, and it'll take a few more weeks to get the paperwork so that they can travel home here to the U.S., but still, we are so thankful for that. The adoptive names are going to be Michael James, and then Karina Rose, and we rejoice with them and with Michaela and Jameson. You'll notice also in the picture there, you see uh, kind of in the top middle, a psalm book, and it's translated into Ukrainian and Russian and English. They Googled to find a church to worship, and when they walked in, they saw that there was a psalm book in English that was provided by Eastern European missions, and they thought that was great. But they also found out, the more they found out about the congregation, is that a church in Smyrna sponsors this congregation. And so that was a great, seemingly, coincidence. And then as they arrived, they found a lady there that said, I speak some English. I'm not a translator, but I'll translate for you. And so she sat with them in worship, and she translated the entire worship. And afterwards, they visited. And she said, well, where are you from in America? Tennessee. Where in Tennessee? Mount Juliet. And she gasped, and she said, my daughter has translated for the mission teams of Mount Juliet Church of Christ. And friends, we're talking about a work that's 500 miles away from where they are there in that little church. And so it's really just a great blessing it's interesting to see how God has worked in all of this. Even some of the people that have cared for the children have been members of the Lord's church. Listen, God's people will always be the ones around the world who takes care of children. 
We're going to talk more about that in a few weeks, but I want you to be mindful of that. There's no one that has a higher calling to take care of children than God's people. We're thankful also that Tim Martin, David and Melva Fleming were able to participate in a Bible lectureship in Latin America and appropriate for the day. The theme was a family centered in Christ. This is in uh, Honduras. And on the next slide, you'll see a picture of some of our preachers and their families that, w that we support from El Salvador. And we're thankful that, that uh, the Flemings and Tim were able to interact with them. Many of these in this picture we know very well, and we've worked with them for years. I need to announce to you that uh, the Prime Timers class will be meeting in the auditorium this morning. And uh, the reason is the scheduled teacher was Dwayne Griffin, and Dwayne uh, Griff had a bicycle wreck yesterday. Uh, where he had ridden in the past, a, a construction company had put a cable up that he did not see, and he flipped over it. And uh, he is in, in Vanderbilt in a trauma unit, and he has five fractured ribs, a fractured pelvis, fractured elbow, collapsed lung, and uh, he is... Uh, they're, they're very optimistic about his condition right now. Uh, their greatest concern is his collapsed lung at this point, but they're hoping that maybe in three or four days that he might be able to come home. And so we want to be mindful of Griff and Sue at this time, and uh, obviously we love them very much. They've given so much to the life of this church, and we appreciate them. Also, our brother Gordon Rice who has been a part of the congregation since 2009 and has just been a sweet, gentle spirit here that we've loved dearly. His funeral will be this afternoon at 2 o'clock in Bond Funeral Home. And then uh, Miss Helen Van Hook, that we also love dearly, has passed away. And the arrangements for her services will be made tomorrow, and we'll be getting that out to you. Uh, I think it'd be appropriate for us to begin in prayer this morning. Let's bow. Now, most gracious God, you bless us in many ways, and we're reminded today that the greatest blessings you give us are relationships. And God, we pray that as we study your will, that we truly will have a strong and a healthy relationship with you, realizing that that would be a blessing to all the other relationships that we share in. God, we recognize we can't control everybody in a relationship. We can only choose our own walk. And God, our prayer is that we'll be faithful in every relationship. God, we pray for Griff this morning. We're so thankful uh, for him and for Sue and uh, what they mean to us. And God, we pray that you be with his recovery. We pray that you bless those that are making decisions about his care. And we know that you're the great physician and we pray your blessings. God, we pray for Brother Pat Hackney as his brother has passed away. And we pray that you comfort the Hackney family. We also pray for our church family and, and for the family of uh, Brother Rice and Miss Van Hook. And God, we pray that, that uh, you comfort us and you comfort their families. And we pray that we truly will be an encouragement and that we'll give honor to the uh, great uh, memory that, that uh, we have of, of our brother and sister. God, we pray that you be with the Kiffs as they travel. And we pray uh, that their children, uh, Michael and Karina, would come to fully understand with great appreciation uh, their adoption. And we pray that their place here, their home in the Mount Juliet congregation, would be a rich blessing for them, not only earthly, but eternally. 
God, our prayer is that you give us the wisdom and the heart that we would make a difference in those children's lives for eternity. And we pray that for all of the children that you place in our lives. God, we do thank you for your great love for us. We ask you to bless this study as we seek to truly build something great with you. And it's through your son's name we pray. And amen. Build something great with God. As we consider Psalm 127 in verse 1, we're reminded that unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Do you realize that just as you have perhaps built something in your life, Maybe some of you it's been as simple as a craft or a scrapbook. And perhaps others of you have built projects that are much larger as a piece of furniture. And some of you have maybe have built an entire home or even a commercial building. I think back growing up in a little community of small farms and a big sawmill and blessed by the fact that two of my best friends were sons of the sawmill owner. All we had to do was wait till quitting time. And we could go down to the sawmill and get anything we wanted. And I remember one time as young teenage boys, we went out into a pine thicket and we decided we were going to build a large tree house. And so we, we wrapped the tree house around about six big pine trees and we made it a big two-room split level with a big picture window in the front tree house. And I remember several days into it, uh, their father, the owner of the sawmill, heard all of the, the cutting and the hammering and the curiosity got the best of him. And, and I remember him coming up and saying, boys, what are y'all doing this time? And he climbed the ladder up to the treehouse and we tried to make it as high in the sky as we could. And uh, I don't guess I'll ever forget the, the old sawmill owner kind of stammering a little bit and saying, now boys... And you know, if you're going to build something, why get the little four-inch lumber when you can get the nice 12 and 16-inch? And he kind of scratched his face and he said, boys, you took my best red oak that I had. He said, do you have any idea what that was worth? Honestly, we didn't at that time and we didn't even have a full appreciation. We just knew it made a nice tree house. What have you built in your life? Do you realize maybe somebody's sitting here saying, I've not built anything lately, but you have. You have. Yesterday, you know what you worked on? Your life. You know what you did this morning? You worked on your life. Every day is a building project. And we either build with God or we build without God. And notice here in Psalm 127 and verse 1, the idea is we can let God be the master builder of our life or we cannot. We can go out and build a day and what's a day look like if God's not in charge of it? I guess all of us have had those days and if we were honest, we'd say they're not good days. But what's even more tragic is what does a life look like into eternity if God has not been the builder? But then especially for this morning, I'd like for you to think about what kind of person are you in relationships if you don't allow God to build you into that relationship? And so today, 
I want to challenge all of us. Let's make sure that we build with God, allowing Him to take the lead. That means we are submissive. We are obedient. And there are going to be many times that our will is going to say, I want to run do this. And God's will is going to say, no, don't do that. And that's the point in time that we have to decide who's going to build today. Who's going to build our life? Are we going to allow God to do it? Or are we going to run our own way and live by the desire of the flesh, the desire of the eye, or the pride of life? I want to suggest something to you strongly this morning. If the Lord builds it, what might it look like? And I want to suggest to you that the answer to that is going to be something magnificent. But you see, that comes down to trust. Because oftentimes we don't see the finished product. If we could see the finished product, every one of us today would say, I want God to build my life. But you see, it requires trust <clears throat> to say, God, I don't see exactly what you're building. I don't see exactly how it's going to look because my fleshly desire says, I want it this way. But I hear you saying, do it this way. And that reminds me of Proverbs, the third chapter in verse five and six, that would be many of you, you would say this is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. I want you to notice that first word, trust. That's what obedient spirit comes down to. When your flesh is pulling you one way and you want to build a day, a life in one way, are you going to trust God? Trust in the Lord. How much? With all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, full submission, full obedience, God, your will be done, not mine, as Jesus prayed. In all of your ways, acknowledge him. And what will he do? He'll direct your paths. In other words, he will build your life. He will build your relationships. And if the Lord builds it, it's going to be something magnificent. And I hope somebody here is thinking, really? Because I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you in a similar way that God challenged Job at a time of doubt in his life. Let's just go back and let's consider, does God have the power and the ability and the wisdom to build anything that would be grand? Psalm 127 in verse 3 tells us that God is the creator of children and he's given them to us as a gift. I don't know about you, but when I see a child, I see something magnificent. This one born here in this community just a few days ago, and then on the next slide, many others that belong to some of you over the last few months. Can God build something great? Absolutely. Have you seen a sunset lately that God made? Have you gone out at night and seen the way He does away with stars? Have you seen the mystery of a beautiful rainbow? Have you seen the grandeur of the Rocky Mountains? Have you seen the depth of the Grand Canyon? It's kind of amazing what he can build, isn't it? You ever built anything like those things? Maybe the first time you step beside an ocean to see it and try to grasp just how big it is, but then to hear it and to feel it and even to taste it. 
he realized that God has done something grand and magnificent. Or it doesn't have to be big. Have you ever enjoyed time beside some of God's little brooks? You can't help but pick up a rock, can you? And then if you have somebody next to you, it's a little competition of who can skip the rock the furthest, right? Isn't it amazing what God has offered us? Have you had that amazing experience of standing at the Niagara Falls and just trying to comprehend, is this real? Have you stared at the stripes of a zebra, contemplated the speed of a cheetah, watched an eagle soar, or a hawk hunt? Have you had that privilege to stand up in your stirrups and lean over the neck of a horse and feel the thunder of its hooves and the strength of its neck as it runs across a field? If God builds it, it's amazing. His power and His wisdom to create things so complex as our respiratory system, our nervous system, our DNA. Have you really just stopped lately and appreciated the water cycle? The plant cycle? Or we could say something is simple, but there's not anything simple about the idea that from an egg comes a caterpillar that goes into a chrysalis that comes out a beautiful butterfly. If God builds it, it's amazing. Have you had the blessing to watch one of God's hens sit on her eggs for 21 days and watch those eggs hatch? Or have you ever held a baby goat or a baby duck? Or have you had the privilege to watch a little calf stumble to its feet for the first time and nurse? Who made laughter? Who made tears of joy? Who made peace that passes understanding? Friend, if just a few of those things don't convince you that God can build far more than you can ever think or imagine, you're deceiving yourself. Listen this morning. If God builds it, it is amazing. If God builds it, it's far beyond what you and I could ever build. And I want you to look again at that text in Psalm 127 and verse 1. Unless the Lord builds your house, you labor in vain. Oh, oh, I can build it. Really? You just think back to just, just a handful of examples we've just gone over, and you're going to tell me you can outcreate God? You can tell me that, that, that you can show off something to God? No. No, not at all. But isn't it amazing that this awesome, almighty creator cares about you and your relationships individually. And he says, I want to build with you. We have the choice. We can partner with him and we can build something magnificent. Or according to him in this passage, we can waste our time. We can waste the potential that could be in those relationships. So what did God build? Will you drop back with me to Genesis 
the second chapter and let's spend the next few minutes thinking about what God built when it says unless the Lord builds the house what is the relationship the home the core of a house as God built it in Genesis 1 we see in the chronological order that at the end of each day he said it is good but then when we come to the second chapter, we see the story of creation told again. And it's obvious this time, it's not in chronological order. And this is the first time that we hear God saying, it's not good. And what he was talking about that's not good was that man did not have a relationship to share in of a companion that he could walk through life together. And I'd like for us to read this and then go back and, and see hopefully some valuable lessons that, that we could learn. And the Lord, this is beginning in Genesis, the second chapter, verse 18. And the Lord God said, it's not good, did you hear that? It's not good that man should be alone. I'll make him what? A helper comparable to him, a companion. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air. Those were made on two different days. And brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all the cattle, to the birds of the air, to every beast of the field. But for Adam... There was not found a helper comparable to him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones, and flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. <clears throat> Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. God wanted it to be good but when he looked and saw that man did not have a companion he said it's not good and so what did God do to solve that situation that he said was not good he made Eve now it is true the obvious Adam was the first man Eve the first woman but it's also just as true that God created Adam to be the first husband and he created Eve to be the first wife. And so it is in studying this that we not only see that the genders were created, but we see the way in which these two are to share in an intimate life together, into a committed life together, and into a life that we can choose to participate in that life, allowing God to build or we can choose to participate in those relationships in a way that God is not building. And so it's interesting to see here what exactly happened. Let's, let's give just a, a brief 
description of what we've just read and then let's slow down toward the end of the text that we read and let's see four things that we want to gain from this before we close this lesson. But the brief description is that God knew Adam was alone, but apparently Adam didn't know that he was alone. Now the Bible doesn't tell us why God wanted Adam to know he was alone before he created Eve. Doesn't tell us that. But apparently he wanted him to know that, and so what he did was gave him the task of naming the animals. Now, if any of you grew up around animals, you probably read this with an entirely different mindset. I remember reading Genesis 2 even as a child, and I just remember thinking how big a job that was, and I remember thinking how neat of job that was. Just think about Adam walking out and say, I'll call you chickens. You can be a hen, you can be a rooster. I'll call you cattle. You can be a cow, you can be a bull. I'll call you sheep. You can be a ram, you can be a you. I'll call you horses. You can be a stallion. You can be a mare. You can just go on and on as Adam did. But as he named all of them, he then realized what God wanted him to realize. They all have companions. I don't. And so we have the first surgery. And he, he removed the rib from Adam and it was from his flesh, from his bone that woman was created. And then he continued the naming process, if you will. He wakes up from the surgery and he has a companion and he says, you're flesh of my flesh and bones of my bones, I'll call you woman. But then it is in that setting that God interrupts the story as it's being recorded here to say, I want to tell you what I've just created and I want to tell mankind that this is my desire for them to share in this intimate relationship together and it's going to be his desire as long as time stands. If we were to call this time period the patriarchal age, this is how God wanted it. And even under the Mosaic age, even though man strayed from it, this is the way God wanted it. And even under the Christian age, Paul again in Ephesians 5 quotes this very same thing. This is the way God wanted it. Well, what did God want? He wanted a man to leave his mother and father, to be joined to his wife, and for those two to become one flesh. What is it that we need to learn from this? Number one, we see that if God's going to build something beautiful, what God is looking for is stability. Do you realize that if every man and woman, and if we need to say boy and girl, but every man and woman in America today obeyed the teachings out of Genesis 2, nine months from now and beyond, there would not be any children born out of wedlock. In other words, every child would be born into a relationship where their mother and father is living in the same house and their mother and father are in a relationship that is not casual, but they have wholly committed themselves to each other. What a foundation for a child to grow up where there is that kind of loyalty, where there's that kind of stability, and notice this word, where there's that kind of character. 
And then imagine if that were the case, imagine what that would do for our families and for our churches and for our community if everybody allowed God to build. Because there also wouldn't be all that strife and that destruction whenever this husband starts flirting with this wife over here that's not his wife. And this woman starts having an affair with this man over here that's not her. And we know that all of those things lead to pain. They lead to destruction. Do you see what God ultimately, in other words, is saying? He's saying, if you'll let me build something, I can help you avoid so much pain, so much hurt. Will you trust me? Our flesh is going to say, oh, but at this moment, this looks so right. At this moment, this feels so right. And you see, that's where we're going to have to decide who do we trust. Are we going to trust in the Lord and are we going to allow Him to be the builder? Are we going to go by our feelings that in that case, they're lustful feelings. They're sinful desire. And there's not anybody here that ought to bow their shoulders back and say, I'm glad I don't have to worry with that. Everybody here has to worry with sinful desires. It may not be the same weaknesses, but we all have temptation. What if we went into our relationships with our family, with our spouse, with our children, and we said, as Jesus prayed in the garden, not my will, but your will be done. But not only do we see stability, but we also see companionship. You see, he said that your lives would be joined together. We don't stop being an individual, but we do start viewing everything in life through the lenses of how is this going to affect my marriage? My money I spend, my time I spend, my abilities I have, the opportunities I do take advantage of or I'll pass on. What if I looked at all of them through the mindset of, let me first consider how does this affect my relationship with my spouse and with my children? You see, that's companionship. Companionship isn't just a word. It's a life that says, I'm devoted to place you as a high priority and walk with you. But then also, it's the idea of faithfulness, that you become one flesh. Not one flesh and another flesh, or another flesh, one flesh. How different would America be if every home today honored that faithfulness? Nobody can do it for you. If you're married... You and your spouse will decide if you're going to build with God, if you're going to let God protect, or you two decide if it's not going to be the case. But you see, it's not even really that simple because you can't make a decision for your spouse. So ultimately, it's this simple, and that is you have to decide. No matter what your spouse does, are you going to be the person that you need to be? If you're a husband, are you going to be the husband that God's called you to be, no matter what your wife does or doesn't do? Are you going to be the wife that God's called you to be? Are you going to be the father, the mother? Are you going to be the child, obedient to the parent? You see, the, the point is, we decide if we're going to be faithful in our relationships. How do we do that? Allow the Lord to build and trust that if the Lord builds, He will build something magnificent. And we also see priority here where he says, leave mother and father. The home that we begin is the most important home on earth to us. What we learned today. Number one, if God builds something, it's beautiful. 
Number two, if we defile what he has built, it becomes painful and even destructive. Unless the Lord builds our lives in our marriages, in our homes, we are wasting our time and potential. Number four, submitting to God's teachings allows us to be a beautiful, healthy part of relationships. You remember at the beginning of this, we looked at Proverbs, the third chapter, verse 5 and 6. I'd like for us to close this lesson by looking at the very next two verses. Look at verse 7 and 8. Proverbs 3, we have verse 5 and 6, and then look at 7 and 8. At the beginning we read verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your path. But look at verse 7. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. See that plea? We can either trust in the Lord or we can say, I've got this. And he says, no, no, don't ever think I've got this and be wise in your own eyes. Instead, give reverence to God. And instead, enjoy a life of health where your bones and the flesh of your relationships are strong. May God bless us in that. We recognize this morning that there's nobody here perfect. And that's why we're so thankful for the grace and the mercy of God and His great love. The question this morning isn't, do you have your life and every relationship all put together? The question this morning, are you ready to wholly devote yourself to God's will, no matter what the other people in your life do? It's a personal decision for each of us. Have you been immersed into Christ for the remission of your sins? Have you repented of sins? And are you ready to confess Jesus as the Son of God and your Savior? Have you devoted your life to the Lord? If not, I want to encourage you. That's where we must begin. If we're really going to trust in the Lord. But second, maybe you've begun that journey, but along the way you've lost the way and you want to come back. Every day, we build our life. And wouldn't it be awesome to be able to say, today, September 21st, was the day that I gave the tools and the blueprint back to God. And I said, God, you be the master of my life. This morning, I want to encourage you. I want to beg you. Let's all leave here allowing God to reign in our life.